This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue back in studio live today. Tell you what, though, looking out that window and seeing those little snowflakes coming out there in that mixed rain, a lot different than it was last week in Hawaii. <laughs> a lot different than it was in Hawaii. Anyway, I'm a wealth advisor, certified financial planner, invest, accredited investment fiduciary, all those nice designations. And I'm going to start out today with our weekly wrap and a little reminder, though. I do have Patrick Connor coming on with me again. He's the state director for the National Federation of Independent Business. He will be talking about what's taking place in the Washington State Legislature, and he'll be joining us after that first break today. So let's start out with our weekly wrap. The stock market was able to break its losing streak this week despite ongoing concerns about sticky inflation and the Fed raising rates higher for longer. The upside bias was supported by technical buying interest along with a drop in market rates by the end of the week. There may also have been some feeling that the market was oversold on a short-term basis, driving this week's gains. Entering Monday's session, the S&P 500 had declined 5% from its close on February 2nd, the day before the January employment report was released. Inflation concerns were stoked this week by data releases, including the February ISM Manufacturing Index, the weekly initial job claims, the revised fourth quarter productivity. Weekly claims remained remarkably low, reflecting a tight labor market, while fourth quarter unit labor costs rose 6.3% from the same quarter last year, reflecting stubbornly high wage-based inflation. The sticking point from the ISM Manufacturing Index was that the price indices rose 51.3% from 44.5%, marking the first price increase in four months. This price data, we would add, followed a higher-than-expected February CPI reading from Germany. The Treasury market responded strongly to this week's data. The 10-year note surged past 4%, hitting 4.07% in its high before falling back to 3.96% by Friday's close. And the two-year note yield, which is more sensitive to changes in the Fed funds rate, rose eight basis points this week to 4.86%. So despite the rising market rates, the main indices held up okay thanks to technical support. Buyers stepped in when the S&P 500 reached its 200-day moving average, and by Friday's close, the index was comfortably back above its 50-day moving average. Most of the S&P 500 sectors logged a gain this week, led by materials up 4%, communication services up 3.3%, industrials up 3.3%. The materials and industrial sectors may have been reaching, reacting to China's reporting stronger than expected manufacturing PMI and non-manufacturing readings for February. 
The only sectors to decline this week were utilities down 7 tenths of 1% and consumer staples down 4 tenths of 1%. The U.S. dollar index fell 0.7% for the week to 104.50. And the West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil Futures rose 4.6% this week to $79.79 a barrel. Natural gas futures surged 28.7% to $3.14 per million BTU. Here are a few of the truncated summaries of daily action. Monday's positive bias was partially fueled by some technical catalysts, including the S&P 500 closing above its 200-day moving average since last Friday, along with a 10-year note yield staying below 4%. A noticeable pullback on Tuesday, the red treasury yields from overnight highs was another support factor for equities, and the main indices exhibited some fairly strong upside momentum in the early going likely driven by short covering activity that had the S&P 500, the Dow, and the NASDAQ up over 1% each, respectively, at their morning highs. But that quick momentum quickly dissipated. The market spent most of the session in a steady grind lower. Then comes Tuesday. The stock market was mixed in the last trading day of the month of February. Both buyers and sellers were lacking conviction, which had the main indices chopping around the fairly narrow trading range. The S&P 500 spent a good portion of Tuesday's session around its 50-day moving average of 3979 Thanks to some technical buying interest after the S&P 500 closed above the lat level on Monday, before things started to deteriorate in the afternoon trade, ultimately the main indices closed near their lows for the day, but losses were relatively modest in scope. We had mixed reactions to the latest slate of earnings news, helped contribute to the, mix, the mixed price action, Target, Zoom Video, AutoZone, <coughs> Occidental Petroleum, Workday, J.M. Stucker, uh, Smucker, and Universal Health were among the standouts in that regard. And on Wednesday, the new month started on a mostly downbeat note. The S&P 500 uh, <coughs> and NASDAQ closed with decent losses, weighed down by weaknesses in the mega cap space where the Dow managed a slim gain. Downside momentum was somewhat limited, though, and thanks to the S&P finding support at its 200-day moving average of 39.40 twice on Wednesday. And on Thursday, the stock market traded lopsided for most of Thursday's session. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading right out, up right out of the gate. Supported by gains by Salesforce followed, following its better-than-expected earnings, guidance, and share price buyback. The S&P 500 and the NASD, meanwhile, spent Thursday, uh, NASDQ, I should say, meanwhile, spent Thursday's morning pinned in negative territory, reflecting concerns about rising market rates. Ten-year yield hit, which hit 4% overnight after the Eurozone reported core CPI was up at a record of 5.6% year over year versus 5.3% in January, settled Thursday up eight basis points to 4.07%. Selling interest picked up in the Treasury market following the release of the weekly initial jobless claims and revised fourth quarter productivity data at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Initial claims remained remarkably low, 190,000, while unit labor costs rose 3.2% versus an advanced estimate of 1.1%. Translation, signs of a tight labor market and stubbornly high inflation. Unit labor costs were up 6.3% for the same quarter a year ago. So despite interest rates pressuring the stock market, downside moves were somewhat limited. 
thanks to technical buying interest after the S&P 500 slipped below its 200-day moving average of 39.40. The S&P 500 spent the majority of Thursday's session oscillating around that level until things improved noticeably in the afternoon trade. And that afternoon rally effort had the S&P 500 close a whisker shy of its 50-day moving average and was contributed to the Atlanta Fed President Bostic, who's a 2024 FOMC voter, saying that he favors a 25 basis point rate hike in March. That view was spun as a dovish take on things, notably that Mr. Bostic said Wednesday that the Fed needs to go to 5 to 5.25% and then leave rates there well into 2024. And looking at Friday real quickly, the stock market closed out the week with a decent rally. The main indices moved higher. The uh, S&P moved above its 50-day moving average. The positive disposition held up throughout the session. Uh, Basically, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P each rose over 1%. The Dow up 1.2%. The NASDAQ up 2%. And the S&P up 1.6%. And price action in the Treasury market was an integral support part of the Friday. The 10-year note settled below 4%, down 11 basis points, 396. The two-year note fell 5 basis points to 486. So obviously we're seeing quite a bit of volatility in the market based on what's happening with interest rates. The Dow Jones Industrial Average now for the year is up 0.7%. The NASDAQ is up 11.7%. The S&P 500 is up 5.4%. And the Russell 2000 for the year is up 9.5%. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly and we will be joined by Patrick Connor. Thank you for being with us. Hello? Summer? Gee, you sound so far away. Oh, you're right. Now is the time to plan for AC. With Barron's preseason air conditioning special, you can skip the line and save big, like $4,000 big. We've stocked up, and there's no better time to upgrade your whole home comfort system. Special discounts apply to anything that cools, including air conditioning, ductless, and electric heat pumps. With energy savings you'll enjoy for years. Barron's home performance experts look beyond the box, finding you affordable ways to improve the comfort, health, and energy efficiency of your home. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Call Barron now while supplies last and save up to $4,000 when you upgrade your heating and cooling system with qualifying rebates, incentives, and a Silver Shield membership. We've secured low interest financing so everyone gets cooling. See you soon, Summer. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Sold to bidder 126. The March Consignment Equipment Auction at Meridian Equipment in Laurel is scheduled to begin on March 11th. The auction will be held online. Consignments are now being taken until the auction commences on March 11th. Contact Meridian Equipment today for more information. Meridian Equipment, selling and servicing new and used farm and light industrial equipment for over 70 years. Open weekdays from 8 to 5 and Saturdays from 8 till noon on Guide Meridian in Laurel. Visit MeridianEQ.com today to explore what Meridian Equipment can do for you. Are you looking for an auto shop that offers honest quality service? Hi, I'm Kirk, owner of Angler Automotive. At Angler Automotive, we strive to make sure that all of your automotive service needs are met. Angler Automotive provides the factory-recommended services that are required to maintain your vehicle's warranty. Angler Automotive, outstanding quality with honest, reliable service. Check us out online at anglerautomotive.com. 
the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Donnie here with you this Saturday morning, live and in studio. Got questions for us? We're asset advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway that's out in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number 360 733 1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Well, as I mentioned, we are privileged to have Patrick Connor back with us today. Uh, you talked to, we were texting each other last night about 10 o'clock, Patrick, you were still in the middle of legislative sessions. So how late did you get out of there? Well, actually, uh, I was able to get out of there about an hour later, Dick, about 11 o'clock, which was certainly <laughs> earlier than one thirty in the morning <laughs> the day before. So, uh, yeah, things are, are, uh, staying late going long hours, uh, this week. The House and Senate are both on the floor trying to get as many of their own bills passed as they can before Wednesday's House of Origin cutoff. It's a little busy down there. Uh, Just and, a little. And while we're speaking about it, you have got a small business day coming up on Thursday, March 16th. Want to put a plug in for that? And if people are interested, uh, what they <clears throat> could do to participate in that? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, you're right. March 16th, Small Business Day at the Capitol. We will be holding our event uh, here in Olympia. We have got uh, at least four great uh, guest speakers that will be presenting to the group. Uh, those include the uh, House and Senate Republican floor leaders, Representative Jacqueline Maycumber and Senator Shelley Short, as well as the chair and ranking Republican on the Senate Labor Committee, where we spend a whole lot of our time, uh, Senator Karen Kaiser and Senator Curtis King, uh, if folks are interested, we encourage them to visit our website, nfib.com slash Washington, and check out our events page. Um, or uh, they can contact me, and our contact information is on that website. Again, it's nfib.com slash Washington. Okay. Well, it might be interesting. If people got time, it'd be a great day for them. Find out a little bit about what's happening down there. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I know you put out a weekly summary every week, and uh, uh, because of your late hours, you don't have this week's summary out yet. At least I haven't received it, so I'm going to look at week seven, so you can kind of use it as a, a guide for me, I guess, and you can <laughs> chime in and correct anything that I would that we talk about. But uh, I'm just going to go down the list of some of the bills that you've been following, and one of them was a... Uh, uh, Bill 1106, which was the Unemployment Benefits for Voluntary Quits. That's kind of an interesting one. Why don't you give us Yes, a, and yeah, actually it just, uh, it just passed the House the other day. Uh, basically what the bill will do is allow unemployment insurance benefits to a worker who has a, a change in their child care status, um, maybe loses a babysitter, maybe their child care center closes down or is closed due to illness, um, has uh, uh, a sick relative, uh, but whatever the circumstance, uh, can't find an alternative shift that works both for the employee and for the employer and decides to quit. So normally, if you 
choose to quit your job, you're not eligible to pay or to receive unemployment insurance benefits. This bill turns that on its head. And despite the fact that we now have a several hundred million dollar paid family medical leave program yeah, <laughs> that workers and employers are paying into, <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like it's double dipping, Dick. Uh, so for 12 weeks out of the year, as long as you've qualified for it, which you would if you qualified for unemployment benefits, uh, if you've got a serious health situation of your own uh, or a family member, you can take up to 12 weeks a year uh, off with partial pay. Um, so this would basically allow both uh, a worker to take both paid family medical leave benefits and unemployment insurance benefits. And I guess the difference is unemployment insurance benefits at times can extend 25, 26 weeks, uh, and that's just under normal circumstances, not when the federal government comes in and, and announces for some reason there's an emergency and they extend it even longer. So uh, another example of us paying people not to work, even though employers can't find enough good employees to fill all their shifts uh, as it is. So we really think this is a, a poor idea uh, and one that is going to harm the workforce and our workers more than it's going to help uh, uh, folks that find themselves in a situation where they are temporarily inconvenienced by a change in their child care status. You know, I was just, uh, you know, I've noticed locally, of course, all the early closings for businesses and the health mm-hmm. benefit signs and all this kind of stuff. I just spent two and a half weeks over in Hawaii and I was shocked over there at some of the businesses that have not reopened after COVID. It was amazing how it was on the island of Kauai, but uh, I was amazed. There's places we've gone to for years that did just did not make it, and when they tried to reopen, they couldn't get employees. And it's just amazing yep. how um, how many businesses have been hurt, uh, you know, because of COVID and the change in in. Uh, you know, the structure, I guess, the, the ease at which the government has made it for people not to go out and have to take a job is just kind of scary. It is, and I think it's going to have some very definite negative long-term consequences on our competitiveness um, and on our, uh, basically, our, our social structure, our ability and willingness of people to go out, uh, do an honest day's work, earn a paycheck for their family, uh, and have that dignity that comes with making your way in this world. So uh, I'm not sure how long a smaller number of taxpayers can continue to finance a growing number of folks who are not contributing. Well, it's got to be scary, too, because you're, you're with the National Federation of Independent Business and a focus on the word independent. And, and you look at the number of people that would have a desire to go out there and try to be in business for themselves and find that it's almost impossible. I mean, it's a high-risk situation to start with. And when they Absolutely. take that risk yeah. to start a business, and now all of a sudden they, they get a place, whether it be a restaurant or another type of small business, and they set it up, and all of a sudden they try to get going, and they can't get the employees. And, you know, 30 days, 90 days, six months later, you know, they're burned out, and they don't have any money left, and, and uh the doors are being locked, and it's kind of you – know, it takes away that incentive, which, you know, to me is part of what the entire American system has been made up of, is that encouragement for people to go out and take a risk and, and, and want to do something like this on their own. It's kind of really scary to me. And then, of course, now you see this, which basically this t- uh, hospital, 1106, is basically going to allow double dipping, if I, if I heard what you said right. I don't know if that's oh, That's the way I read it, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're going to go out and start a business these days, the smart money is starting some kind of a service business where you don't have to rely on other employees. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you go out there uh, and earn a living on the sweat off your brow, the ideas in your head, the, the great products, goods, services that you're providing for your community. And try like hell not to have to hire any workers because government makes it so difficult uh, to be able to afford to have somebody on payroll and makes it so easy for those who are on your payroll for 680 hours then to say, uh, see you later, <laughs> taking the government benefit package, yeah. and they yeah. leave, and there you are. Yeah, it's, it really is scary. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, Patrick, a little early, and we'll come back after this break. And uh, Great. let's go ahead and talk about that employee and spend reimbursement and some of the other issues that you had here. So we'll be back in a minute. Thanks for listening. Patrick O'Connor with us today with the uh, National Federation of Independent Business State Director in Olympia, and we'll be back shortly. I'm just so tired of living on the street. We were soaking wet, caught in the first rainstorm out here. We had no bedding, and we were wet and cold. For someone who's been living outside for quite some time, think what a relief, what a change it would be to sleep indoors again. The feel of warm, dry blankets, not having to worry if the tent's going to leak or how to fix your next meal. Feeling safe. Lighthouse Mission is reaching out to people in Bellingham who are homeless and without shelter. Will you take action to help someone in need today? Your donation will help someone who is homeless through new socks, a sandwich, a bottle of water, or other things they may need. Caring volunteers will listen and love them where they are, then offer an invitation to a safe night of shelter and a nutritious meal, the beginning of recovery. Donate or find out more today at thelighthousemission.org. That's thelighthousemission.org. Lindale Glass is your premier window and door company in Whatcom and Skagit County. With over 35 years of professional installation experience, you can rely on the dedicated employees at Lindale Glass to provide an exceptional install. Lindale Glass features Milgard windows and doors, leading the industry with innovative, high-quality products. You can be assured of a product that is customized for your home. No shortcuts, no gimmicks, just excellent service and exceptional quality from Milgard. Visit a Lindale showroom to learn more or online at lindaleglass.com. Hello folks, are you ready to get your estate planning affairs in order but you don't know where to start? Would you like to hear about the difference between wills and trusts? Do you want to learn how to avoid probate? Do you have questions about Social Security and Medicare? Is it important to you to make life as easy as possible on your spouse and loved ones if something should happen to you? This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham. Join me right here on KGMI every Saturday at 1 p.m. for the Aging Hour and let me show you how to set your family up for success in your retirement. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. 
CBS News Brief. More than 16 million Americans from California to Maine are under a winter storm warning this weekend. And Weather Channel meteorologist Chris Warren says those out west can catch a break from the rare weather event there. Another winter storm moving in the west coast and with this also again in the mountains, feet of snow. President Biden just had some skin cancer removed from his chest. White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy. The president's physician says the site of the biopsy has healed nicely and no further treatment is required. First Lady Jill Biden had basal cell lesions removed at Walter Reed in January. The Ukrainian city of Bakhmut is getting hit hard by Russian troops. Deputy Mayor Alexander Marchenko. Currently there is no communication in the city, so it's cut off. The bridges are destroyed. The tactics the Russians are using are the tactics of parched land. They want to destroy Bakhmut like they did with Mariupol. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacey Lynn. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back. Welcome back. Live to with you this Saturday morning. We have as a guest with us online, Patrick. Connor Patrick is the state director for the National Federation of Independent Business. He is talking about some of the legislative items that are going through Olympia that have an in, have an impact, especially on small business. So, Patrick, go go ahead. Where do you want to go from here? Um, well, there's a ton of stuff going on, but a couple of big ones that have seen some action this uh, last week. As again, the House and Senate are trying to get their own bills passed out by Wednesday's uh, uh, House of Origin cutoff. So we saw the ergonomics bill pass out of the Senate. Um, This one is not as bad as last year, but to refresh viewers' minds about this one, um, or listeners' minds, excuse me, basically uh, it would allow the Department of Labor and Industries to regulate businesses, um, most specifically as it relates to uh, repetitive motions conducted by workers things that result in muscle sprain, sprain, other injuries, commonly referred to as musculoskeletal disorders. Uh, the bill this year is whittled down quite a bit from last year's bill. Uh, basically, L and I would be given authority to regulate an industry, although the size of that industry or industrial sector is a little nebulous under the bill. Uh, and if that industry has an injury rate for these musculoskeletal disorders, it's twice the state average uh, L and I can come up with brand new rules to tell you and your workers how to conduct your um, particular activities on a, on a given job site. Uh, Senator Shoemake was uh, one of the two Democrats that broke with her caucus, voted with Republicans to oppose the bill. We appreciate that, but it did pass the Senate, and it's moving on to the House, where you might remember last year the House uh, spent Valentine's Day debating the bill from 9 p.m. at night until 6 o'clock in the morning. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could get worse in the House, and then it would have to go back to the Senate uh, for concurrence. So this fight is just beginning, but folks ought to thank Senator Shoemake and ought to start talking to Representative Rule uh, and others up there in the 40th, 42nd legislative districts and let them know that this bill is bad for workers, bad for business, particularly for small businesses. Okay. What else do you want to cover today? I know I see a lot of items on your list that you've had here, but... Uh... We do. So um, the big one we're waiting for this morning, which could come up at any time, is the right to repair bill. Uh, We've talked about this one before. Basically, it would say uh, most specifically to Apple computers that you uh, must allow small 
independent repair shops, and individuals the ability to pay fair market value to purchase the tools, the parts, the instructions they need in order to repair their own Apple devices that they've spent, you know, sometimes a thousand or thousands of dollars to purchase. Uh, it only makes sense that uh, you or I or, or one of uh, the great independent repair shops up there in Whatcom County would be able to conduct those repairs for Apple devices like they do every other device out there, quite basically. Um, <clears throat> Apple and its uh, trade associations are putting up quite a fight. Uh, there have been a number of amendments introduced by Republicans that are, quite frankly, nonsensical. Um, I wonder who's giving them advice on their strategy. But the Republicans have decided that uh, small independent computer repair shops somehow pose a grave danger to consumers, uh, even though they have been doing this very same work for every other manufacturer for literally decades. Um, NFIB, I think we talked before, we've already debunked one of the so-called studies from the University of Guelph in Ontario that surveyed just 12 um, computer repair shops in on the greater Ontario area and decided once they cherry-picked the data that fit their narrative, that half of the customers who took their device in to be repaired somehow had their data breached. Um, <clears throat> so if you read the study, yes, there were 12 uh, stores that were visited, but it doesn't tell you that it was small businesses who were responsible for the data breach. And in fact, it points out that uh, big businesses like Apple and their uh, Best Buy Geek Squad uh, Repair partners uh, routinely violate consumers' data privacy and, in fact, have been sued repeatedly uh, for those violations. But the Republicans have doubled down this week, decided to introduce amendments that, among other things, would require technicians at these independent shops to spend 2.3 years in continuing education in order to learn about devices that are released in a given year. So I don't know how you spend two and a half years uh, learning about devices before you can fix them, because the next year you're going to have another 200 devices come out at, at 25 hours each. You know, another 5,000 hours you'd have to dedicate. So I've, I've been uh, reading all... your your summaries on this one, and I just have to mm -hmm. admit, I just sort of shaking my head and wondering <laughs> where this is going. I mean, because you're right. You know, but, but Apple's got to deal with Best Buy to to do this mm -hmm. type of work, and and uh, hey, nothing against Best Buy. That's great. They you know they do the job, but. Uh, you know, there's a lot of small businesses out there that do it, like you say, do it on everybody else's phone. Why can't they do it on Apple? And uh, and and if it were just the state of Washington, it'd be one thing. But you know, they're doing it all across the country. None of this makes sense as far as where the Republicans are on this one to me. Yeah, I, I and having talked to them, they keep saying they're trying to get to yes, but I'm not sure how you're trying to get to yes when you come up with amendments that say we're going to have the State Department of Licensing create an entirely new licensing, insurance, and penalty structure under a new bureaucracy that will only regulate independent repair shops, won't regulate the best buys or other so-called certified or authorized repair shops uh, that, uh, you know, Apple contracts with or some of the other um, original equipment manufacturers contract with. So, well, And like you noted in your summaries, too, Best Buy has been sued millions of dollars because mm -hmm. of data breaches. So, you know, I don't see how they're it just doesn't make any sense to me, frankly. It, it honestly doesn't. Uh, so we've got 13 amendments that have been introduced on the bill that could come up today. We hear they may withdraw uh, two of them. Um, one of the amendments that they w might withdraw is a study by the University of Washington that they would fund. Uh, 
uh, that would give CUW basically four months uh, to look at old data to determine uh, the pattern of cybersecurity breaches resulting from repairs done by independent repair shops. Well, the bill wouldn't even be in effect by the time the study would be due. Uh, four months, half of which is over the summer term uh, or summer break, certainly doesn't give the UW time to do <laughs> an actual study. And the UW would most likely have to go to the same people we did, the Attorney General's Office and the county prosecutors, to get the data to see what kind of, of lawsuits or prosecutions have been undertaken against the small repair shop for alleged data breaches of their customers' information. And both the Attorney General and the county prosecutors have said, uh, basically, it's an urban myth. We've heard about it, but we haven't actually prosecuted any of these things in anybody's memory who works here today. So uh, I guess Republicans are at least seeing a little bit of wisdom by withdrawing that wrong-headed amendment. <laughs> so this has been before the legislature. Now I know for at least the last two years, has it been longer than that? Uh, I think it's been, I think this is at least year three, yes. So um, it's strange to me that uh, we can't get agreement on allowing an individual like you or me or a qualified repair shop Mm -hmm. to be able to um, replace a smash screen on your cell phone instead of having to drive to Best Buy uh, or send your device back into Apple for them to send it away somewhere and say, oh, gee, you know, it's two years old. It'd be better for you to spend $1,000 to buy a new one than for us to repair it, because that's what happens far too often. We end up with, you know, devices that could be fixed that end up in a landfill, and the customer's on the hook for another grand or more wow. to replace that device. Crazy, crazy. What else you got today? <clears throat> uh, let's see. I think those are the, the big ones we're watching today. We've got, uh, we don't know yet if Sunday, if they're going to be working tomorrow, but certainly Monday through Wednesday. Um, so we are... Um, also trying to get the speaker's attention and have her bring to the floor a package of bills that would provide all businesses with a $40,000 business personal property tax exemption. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is another one that we've chatted about before that uh, I'm sure you were in the office, Dick, at uh, 1230 Mm -hmm. on New Year's Day, counting up the rolls of toilet paper, the number of of pens in your drawer, uh, the copy paper, the paper clips. Uh, the number of computers, cell phones, file cabinets, office furnishings, and, and other assets so that you could compile a list uh, and separate it into the appropriate schedules for Whatcom County to uh, send them a list of your assets so they can wait six months for the Department of Revenue to tell you, tell them uh, how those assets have depreciated, and then they can tell you what your tax bill will be next year for the inventory you took this year. So, so you got to which monitor you bought and you <laughs> sold and... Uh... And, Absolutely. Uh, all this good kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's a challenge yeah, small business. There's no doubt about it. it. It is. And we've had county assessors come in and say, look, this doesn't make any sense. We're spending hundreds, if not thousands of hours going through thousands of pages of documents to bring in a couple of hundred dollars uh, at best, usually uh, tens of dollars mm-hmm. from small businesses once they've completed all these tax returns. We're wasting taxpayer time in the preparation and in the uh, review and assessment of the tax. So the assessors are with us on this one. They agree there needs to be a threshold to to really be able to focus more on higher volume, higher value items, and relieve the administrative burden both from our small businesses and from our small counties who just don't have the manpower to deal with counting paper clips on New Year's Day. So what do you think is going to happen with the bill? 
Well, I'm hopeful since it got a 12 to 1 vote out of the House Finance Committee that the Speaker will uh, put it on the list sometime early next week, Monday, Tuesday, so that it gets out of there um, by Wednesday at 5 p.m. That's actually a two-bill package, but uh, covers the same topic. One's a constitutional amendment because we're going to ask the voters to make this decision. And then the other is the bill that would tell the Department of Revenue and the counties how to administer this new uh, increased threshold if the voters approve it. Um, so we've got that one that we're hoping and, and working to get the speaker to add to the list of leadership polls for floor action. Uh, and then there's another one that uh, we've also been quietly from the sidelines helping to push through and, and trying again to get the speaker to put on the floor calendar. Uh, and that's uh, 1534, which is a bill that would provide better tools to protect consumers, <clears throat> pardon me, against um, sort of those fly-by-night contractors that show up out of nowhere, claim they've got a truck full of asphalt mm -hmm. coming the next day. <laughs> and if you buy now, you can save 15%. Uh, you make a deposit, they never show up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they really make quality registered contractors look bad. So this uh, would give labor and industries uh, a bit more authority to go after these fly-by-night contractors. Would it also create a homeowner recovery fund? So for those homeowners that find themselves on the wrong end of these things, um, there would be a little bit of assistance once the bond has been uh, exhausted on the contractor to get a little help to uh, to actually have a quality contractor come in and fix what's wrong, make the repairs or the improvements that are needed. So uh, this one really is going after the bad guys using the fines and penalties that are assessed against them to help uh, innocent homeowners who have been taken advantage of. So uh, we think this is good because it protects small businesses and consumers. We're going to take a quick break, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, Dick Donahue, Patrick Garner with the National Federation of Independent Business. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, it's Scott from Northwest Sleep Solutions. You know, it's interesting how over the years, every time we sell a bed to somebody, what it comes down to is that person's personal comfort. You come in, you figure out a bed that feels good to you, and then we give you some choices of things that have that same feel. With that said, I find it amazing that we're seeing so many beds bought online now. We hear it every day. I bought a bed online, I don't like how it feels, and now I'm going through the painful process of returning it. And to me, that's just so wasteful when the number one thing about buying a bed is your comfort. So I invite you to come into Northwest Sleep. Gosh, we've got 33, 35 beds here to choose from. You can definitely lay on it, see what you think. At that point, we can narrow it down and deliver it out to you. So come see us at Northwest Sleep Solutions in Perry. Northwest, Northwest Sleep Solutions, the solution for a good night's sleep. You're used to bundling up this time of year. But outside, not in your own home. Hi, Joe T. in here for my friends at West Mechanical, heating, air conditioning, and electric, your independent train dealer. You won't have to wear a bulky sweater inside with a new train heating system that's a perfect fit. Their pros analyze your home and give you an honest assessment of your best options. And West Mechanical has some great financing options for up to 72 months. Subject to credit approval, call for details. If your system is still working, regular service by the West Mechanical pros will keep it in top condition for its longest life possible. And it's not too late to schedule an appointment. 
They check and service mine each year, and I'm confident we'll be comfortable all season long. The train comfort specialists at West Mechanical are the best of the best, and they back up their work with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get to know the great folks at West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net. That's westmechanical.net. And remember, it's hard to stop a train. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to the Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you today, and I have online with me Patrick Connor. Patrick is the state director for the National Federation of Independent Business, talking about some of the legislative items that are taking place down in Olympia, especially those that have impact on small business. But if you got questions about us, you can always give us a call, 360-733-1200. Okay, Patrick, what else do you want to talk about or cover today? I know i got a whole bunch of stuff on your list, but I'll let you pick what you want to do. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we did get one nice little bill passed out of the House uh, this week, and that would uh, make permanent the Department of Revenue's authority to be able to waive some penalties against small businesses that uh, don't renew their business license uh, in a timely fashion, provided they have done so previously. You might wonder, why does that matter? Well, just think, not that long ago during the pandemic, businesses were being shut down uh, by the hundreds by the government and probably didn't know for sure whether or not they would be able to reopen or when. Uh, Certainly, an astute business person is not going to squander money renewing licenses if they don't know if they can continue to be in business or not, right? Mm -hmm. So this uh, gives DOR the authority to say, all right, we understand that was a legitimate business concern, or, you know, perhaps the person who normally handles uh, your license renewal has moved on to another employer, uh, no longer with the company. If there is a legitimate reason why that license wasn't renewed in a timely fashion, we're not going to nickel and dime you with a bunch of penalties and make you look bad and have to pay more money. So we were pleased to partner with the Department of Revenue uh, to support that bill and to get it through the House. Uh, I think it passed unanimously, so uh, we're hopeful that it will sail through the Senate as well. And it's just one of those small, good government things that uh, it's surprised that we, I was surprised we needed a bill to do this, but we mm-hmm. did, uh, and we're moving it forward. Wow. Uh, and I guess one of the, the big things that's left out there that's a, a disappointment to Dick is that uh, there's really no action happening at all when it comes to the Washington CARES tax, the long-term services and support. Yeah, we, we were texting each program. other back and forth mm-hmm. on that last night. That was one item that uh, I had brought up to your attention again. It was House Bill 1011 that uh, died, uh, basically a companion organization that I follow out there. The Washington Policy Center on Tuesday put out a, uh, a bulletin that said that um, you better keep getting ready for the long-term care tax starting this summer because the uh, bill basically died and Nothing happened. What else do you have to add to that? Yeah, I mean, the, the bill didn't even get a hearing. Uh, as we warned uh, last year, Democrats uh, were smart in how they handled it. They deferred it by 18 months, uh, took it out of the debate during the election. Uh, and now the thing is, is moving ahead. I got an email from the administering agency yesterday with a laundry list of all the great resources they have available for workers and employers so that we can all be prepared to take money out of workers' paychecks and send it into the state. Uh, on the off chance that uh, sometime in the future they're able to collect up to $36,500 in benefits, provided they have at least three different uh, needs as they age or become ill in their uh, later years. So 
uh, it's a boondoggle. It's, uh, I don't think the program is ready for prime time, but the tax is going to take effect in January. I'm sorry, not in January, in July. Um, and there appears to be really no appetite to do anything at all to stop it. So, Well, it's 0.58%. Uh, it's a, mm-hmm. so just start. right short of six-tenths of 1% of your payroll for every 100 yep. bucks. And you add that up over a period of time, it's going to be a lot of money going in there. And as you mentioned, the total benefit is $36,500. And anybody that's had any family members or whatever in any type of long care, uh, long care facility know that, uh, you know, today's day and age, uh, you're looking at, you know, probably seven to $10,000 a month. And mm-hmm. so you're looking at maybe three, four months of, of coverage possibly for somebody. And uh, then, of course, they have to meet the requirements to get there. But I see this, uh, you know, along with the, the uh, family leave tax that you have, it's just another form of an income tax that they're sticking in on them, uh, on people. And both the family leave and, and, and the news that stands right now, the long-term care uh, programs appear to be totally, absolutely underfunded, which means they're going to have to raise those tax rates even more. And um, I, I don't see how we get out of this type of a hole. I mean, I think the public is not understanding that uh, this type of stuff is happening. I'm not sure that I think there were quite a few, what were there, half a million employees that did uh, manage to prove that they had coverage or something to get out of paying the tax before when they extended that uh, deadline. But you know, basically, they didn't give the night. They're not giving employees that option again, so they're going to get stuck with that tax coming July first. Right, and it's worse if you are self-employed because the the agencies administering the program want to take a look at your gross earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and make an assessment against a certain amount of money that you make during the course of the year. So it's one thing it's bad enough to be uh, an hourly or salaried worker for somebody else and having to pay that 0.58% payroll tax. Uh, but when you have to apply that 0.58 to your gross receipts because you're self-employed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're paying a tax on money that's probably owed to others, suppliers to the government for taxes, yeah. uh, to licensing agencies, um, you know, you name it. So it makes it really difficult for uh, small businesses. And everyone that I know that could did exactly what you said. They found uh, an insurance company to purchase a long-term care insurance policy from to avoid the obligation of having to pay into this particular tax. And the paid family medical leave, you're absolutely right. It's been um, a, a terrible harbinger of things to come. Uh, so many people used it uh, way more than were anticipated to the point to where basically the fund is broke. Uh, the legislature is looking at having to transfer in $350 million to maintain solvency for the next year. They've already doubled the rate of the tax rate that took effect just, what, two years ago and have given the administering agency the ability to increase that rate uh, again so it would be triple what we were told the rate would be three years ago. So, you know, you just keep uh, adding all these things up. And I, <laughs> I don't know where how you ever get out of the hole. I mean, uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to something else you have on your list, and that's the margins tax in a minute. But uh, the B and O tax uh, is another great example. It's a gross revenue tax. It just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. You know, having been in business for as many years as I have, I'm aware of these things and. 
and especially being a small business all this time. But you know, I, I don't I don't know that a lot of people understand what a burden they're putting on the small business to try to uh, with what they're doing. I mean, it's just uh, I, I I don't think people understand <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, well, and the average taxpayer doesn't have to pay the B&O tax themselves. It's not itemized on any receipt, so they don't see it. They don't understand that, in your case, probably most of your business is classified as service, which mm-hmm. means you're paying 1.5% of your gross receipts mm-hmm. to the government. So government gets paid before you get paid, before your employees get paid, and they're taking 1.5% off the top of every dollar you earn. Mm-hmm. And again, even those dollars that are owed to somebody else in terms of wages and benefits, in terms of... Uh, a supplier, contractor, subcontractor, mm-hmm. uh, and the I mean, it's sort of frustrating. I mean, before I pay my thing. telephone bill, it's before okay. I pay for my cable bill, it's before Rent, I pay leases. for my light bill, it's before I pay for my gas bill, it's before I pay my employees. Uh, you know, I can go right on down the list. Yep. I mean, that tax comes right smack dab off the top of your gross revenue. And yep. um, and even if you are not making a profit, even if you're running in the black, mm-hmm. you're leveraged to the hilt trying to stay alive because the government shut you down during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and you're trying to scrape your way out. Sorry, government's here. <laughs> they still want their one and a half percent before you know you pay for your heat, your lights, your you know, saying your employees, your lease, your gas, you name it. So the other frustrating part of that is everybody knows the B and O tax is particularly regressive when it comes to small businesses. Uh, Small businesses don't get the same kind of tax preferences, and there's 200 of them on the books uh, that almost exclusively benefit big business. Um, So we have been part of the conversation. What do we do about that, which leads to the margins tax? Uh, The tax structure work group has looked at a number of things, including potential corporate or personal income taxes, a margins tax, a value-added tax, and said, you know, the margin tax, somewhat like they have in Texas, seems to be the best approach. Uh, it would allow you as a small business owner to choose the deductions that you uh, make the most sense for the way your business is structured. So if you are a smaller small business, uh, you can deduct the first million dollars and that pays zero taxes on that. Uh, if you're making more than a million, you can decide a couple of different ways to approach it. Do you want to take 30% off the top? and pay the tax on the remaining 70% of your gross. Uh, do you have lots of employees? Well, then deduct the cost of compensation for each employee up to $400,000. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, and then pay tax on the remainder. If you are a retail or um, – uh, what am I thinking of here? Uh, a distribution center uh, where your cost of goods sold to manufacturer – are your primary cost drivers for your business, then you can deduct the cost of goods sold and pay the tax on the remainder. Uh, and for businesses between, I think it's uh, 2 and $5 million under the margins tax proposal, you could say, look, I don't want to have to do the math on this. I will take my gross receipts and I will pay uh, 1.75%, uh, which is uh, a fraction of what the overall rate would have to be. But People are afraid of the margins tax because it's something new, and, and some once people they get it, it will keep going up again. So it's just has to be a low <laughs> tax. So I guess you can hear the music in the background, Patrick. I we'll, can uh, contact you. When does the session end this year? 
Oh, I think Sunday, April 24th is sticking okay. in my mind. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again about whether we want to schedule another session between now and then or we want to wait until it's all over. But uh, thanks for being with us today. Patrick Connor, State Director of the National Federation of Independent Business. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live. Don't forget our show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.